What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Simple Man's Guide to the Good Life. Um, try to set the the mood here a little bit. You can see some of my candles. I'm a big candle guy. Um, got my Memento Mori calendar, a little stoic calendar. But um, this episode, uh, five lessons from 2022. I got the idea for the format of this podcast from Chris Williamson. Chris Williams? Chris Williamson. Chris Williams. I, Modern Wisdom uh, is the podcast. It was my most listened to podcast this year. I found it this year on kind of my self-improvement journey and everything like that. Um, but he did kind of, a, I think he did like 10 lessons from 2022. Um, and I really liked the idea. And it, it made me reflect on like, what are some of the lessons that um, I either learned in this year or that I really started to put into practice? Because there, there are a couple of lessons in here that I maybe have learned in the past couple of years, but I feel like are really kind of being put into practice this year. So five lessons from 2022. Lesson number one, there just is, right? The idea with this lesson, really, if we think about life, right? Events, things happen moment to moment, right? Minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, right? Things are continually happening. That's the reality of like the conscious state we're in. Um, But we as humans because we're conscious and we're living in this construct of society and, and all of these things, we place value judgment on things that are happening. What's a value judgment? A value judgment is good, bad, right? It, it, uh, that's the easiest way to explain it. We do that, right? It's this idea that like, if, if I walked out tomorrow and a hailstorm had happened and dented my car and I immediately go, this is bad. The hail is bad. Well, it's not like hail is consciously thinking like, ooh, can't wait to dent these cars tomorrow. Like, no, it's just weather. It's just happening. But we apply meaning and judgment to these things that happen, right? The problem with this is we're terrible at knowing the outcomes of events, right? You get fired from a job. We immediately in the moment, of course, go, oh, this is bad. This is terrible. It's the worst thing that's happened to me. And you may be listening. This has happened to you or we all know somebody, right? They get let go of their job. And in the moment, it's turmoil. It's everything. And then what? Months, years down the line, they look back and what What? a lot of times that was the best thing that happened to me. Well, in the moment, we're adding this value judgment. It's the worst thing. We get on this emotional roller coaster, right? When in reality... Just an event that happened. Could be good, could be bad. There's a parable, parable of the farmer. Uh, I'm going to butcher it. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but essentially the idea is, you know, um, he's a farmer. He has uh, horses that escape uh, and people walk by and they go, oh, how terrible. And he goes, we'll see. The horses come back and they end up bringing back like more wild horses. And somebody walks by, or people walk by and they go, oh, that's amazing you know, and he says, we'll see. Right. And the idea here is that we're, he's not applying value judgment, you know, all the way to like his, his son breaks his leg and people go, Oh, that's terrible. The next day people from the army come and they ask conscription for his son. Well, he can't do it because his son's leg got hurt. People walk by. Oh, that's amazing. We'll see. Right. 
that's the mentality right here. This lesson, like this, we'll see. We don't know when in the moment, what's going to happen of this event, right? And all of us know a lot of times the events that we add value judgment to that are these bad events, these terrible things, nine times out of 10 end up being the ones that are the best for us if we have the ability to reframe, right? Um, So like I said, we're terrible at knowing the outcomes of events, yet we still believe in our judgments of it, right? And in how many of you, you've had somebody go, oh, it's not that bad, and you just flip out on them, right? We need to learn to accept and reframe right? These events. The cool part about this, right? There, this just is principle. This lesson is we are in control of how events will shape us. Literally in the moment that something happens and we notice that we're labeling it, Ooh, this is good. Or this is bad. We immediately can step in, have some self-awareness and go, wait a minute. Is this bad? Is this good? Oh, I don't know. Right. And this can help us in the long run for better or for worse. How many of you listening or how many of you know somebody that uh, they get caught up in this loop? This is bad. I'm angry, right? Let's take the hailstorm example. Somebody walks outside. They're, oh, this is terrible. This is the worst thing now. Insurance. They're choosing to stay in this, this loop. Now, I'm not saying you have to flip it and be like toxic positivity. Like, oh, this is just a great opportunity for me to no. Stay level. Just be like, oh. Well, this kind of sucks, but so be it. That's weather. Here, what are we going to do now? I have no idea how this is going to work out. You know, maybe you end up getting a great insurance claim on it. You make more, you know, like you just don't know, right? So lesson number one, there just is. Find yourself attaching value judgment to things that are going on in your life. Try to step in and really ask, wait, do I have all the information here? Is this really the worst thing in the world? right? How many of you breakups, right? Oh, this is the worst thing ever. And then like six months later, like, God, I'm really happy I got out of that relationship, right? So lesson, you may be taking in 2023 when you find yourself attaching, attaching value judgment to things, maybe just ask the question, is this true? Moving on. Lesson number two, this one can seem morbid. I will explain. No one will remember you anyway. We care more about the opinions of others than we do of our opinions of ourself. Yet, paradoxically here, others don't really care about us as much as they care about themselves. It's paradox, right? But let me explain. Think about the last time, and this this partly comes from modern wisdom. He, uh, Chris talks about this, uh, but it's one that I've been really embodying kind of as we're getting uh, out of this year and um, it it helps with self-confidence and belief, right? So, but okay, let's do this. Think about the last time you remember somebody spilling a drink, dropping food, putting their foot in the mouth, embarrassment, right? Think about the, can you remember the last time somebody else did one of these things? Unless it happened like moments ago or last night, you, you probably can't right? Unless it was something just absolutely terrible. Meaning you don't really care when somebody does this, but when, when we do these things now, think about it. When was the last time you did it? Oh, you probably have it right in your mind, right? When we do these things, we catastrophize, right? We make things way bigger than they are. When in actuality, nobody cares about you. I don't mean it in that way. You get where I'm coming from. Nobody cares 
in the long run, nobody will remember if you misstep, if you screw up uh, a meeting, a public speaking event, et cetera, et cetera. Time heals all wounds, right? And at the end of the day, we're all caught up so much with our own worry, with our own overthinking that we don't have time to think about other people, right? Yet we care more about what people think about us, right? And so this is how we can start getting into this mindset of like, who cares what people think about me anyways, right? This can be very, very liberating because in the end, no one really thinks about you. That's liberating. It means we can get over the fear of judgment, number one, but also people pleasing. And we can start to embody like, okay, what's actually authentic to me? You start to figure out what your morals, your values, your ethics are, and you start to make decisions and do things in that way. If somebody comes along and they're like, oh, I don't like you, or I don't agree with that cool. You're not going to remember me anyways. I'm not here for you. I'm here to impact the people or work with the people that I want to. Or, you know, if you're a single person and you're afraid to go up and talk to that person in the bar or whatever, and that this has been me a big part of this past year, I'm in a relationship now. But if I wasn't, I think I would embody this is like, if you go up and you embarrass yourself or whatever, you ask to buy somebody a drink or whatever, and they say no or whatever, in a couple of days, they're going to forget about it. They're going to forget about you. They're not even going to talk about it. They might for a day or two talk about it with your friends, but who cares? You're going to be the ones like, oh my God, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. Oh, self-centered. I don't care. I got to think about you. Like, let it go. And this can be super liberating, right? So again, also when it comes to like people make decisions based off their legacy. I want to be remembered. I, you know, all this kind of stuff. That's silly. You're going to be dead. Who cares? You won't, you'll be dead Two, even your family, right? A couple of generations after you die, if you have kids and they have kids, I, how many, how many times do you guys listening? Think about your, your great, great grandma or grandpa. Do you even meet them? Do you even know much about them? Probably not. And again, this could be morbid, but it can also be really liberating. It means stop making decisions for things that are going to happen after you die. Make decisions for now. Live now, right? Do things now. Who cares what people think about you now? Who cares what people are going to think about you after you're dead? You'll be dead anyways, right? So this no one will remember you anyway can be really, really liberating and to just like live your most authentic life. Who cares what people think about you? They ain't going to think about it for much longer. And who cares about what people are going to think after you're dead? You're going to be dead anyways. And then in a couple of generations, right? How many of you think about Constantine the Great or Alexander the Great or whatever? <laughs> Never. There you go. So lesson number two, no one will remember you anyway. Live your life. Who cares if you embarrass yourself? Lesson number three. This one has probably been the most impactful to my end of 2022. And it's one that I've learned in the past four months or so. Um, it's called the one wolf principle, right? The reason it's it's kind of come up at the end of 2022 for me is it was introduced to me through the O23 holistic lifestyle coaching practice that I've been partaking in, um, which is leading me to open this up as an actual coaching business where I'm going to take clients on and, and have a full structure for holistic lifestyle coaching to help you guys live thriving lives instead of just, just being a podcast. It's going to be like, hey, let's work together here and let's do this. Nonetheless, right? Um I learned about the one wolf principle through this and it's changed my perspective on habit building. Let's talk about what the one wolf principle is. So the, the idea here is wolves. And if you watch Yellowstone, you know, this 
were reintroducing a Yellowstone in 1995. Right? This is the only thing they did. They reintroduced them to the ecosystem in Yellowstone. And this caused what's called a, a trophic cascade. Essentially, when you make one environmental change, it has this cascading effect on every aspect of the surrounding environment. So in like a short amount of time, I don't know the exact time frame. I think it was a couple of years. Foliage changed, right? Because they they were eating more elk and the elk would eat this type of tree. Well, now there's less elk. There's more of this type of tree. There's more type of foliage, which led to a change in the climate, right? More foliage, more uh, rain, more rain that caused more uh, the rivers to be more full and and change their course of direction and all this. And that changes to different riverbeds. And in, in a short amount of time, if you looked at the geography, mountains, rivers, all that kind of stuff, it completely changed all of it. And the only thing that was changed was one thing, the reintroduction of wolves. So what does this mean for our lives? A cool story, Sean. Well, the principle here is that we can apply this to our, our own lives. Think about how can making one change in something have a cascade in your life, right? I like to use the example, and they use this in the O23, or they did in my my coaching cohort at least, was like somebody who's maybe already going to the gym, but they're finding it hard. They go in the evenings after work, and they're, they're finding it hard, and they're not being as diligent. They decide to make a change. They go, you know what? I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go to the morning class, right? Well, now they go to the morning class. And they notice that at first they're tired. Well, they want to be energized for that morning class. So they start going to bed earlier. Now they're getting more sleep. In that morning class, um, they find maybe that that class, they're making better friends. And they find themselves going out on the weekends with this group. Now they have a better friend group, right? Um, again, they maybe have been drinking alcohol a little bit in the evening after the workout, they come home, they want to wind down, but now they're waking up early. They notice on the nights that they do have alcohol, they're waking up and they're a little bit more groggy. They stop drinking alcohol, right? You can see how just the one, they, they could have like, oh, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop doing all this. But instead they just made one change, which was, I'm just going to go to the morning class. All of a sudden cascading effect. And now, right, three months down the line, they're not drinking alcohol. They're going to bed earlier. They have a different friend group, different friend group. Maybe uh, they're having a hard time at work. And now through that hard time at work, they decide to leave. But one of their friends in that new friend group has a job opportunity, right? Now, obviously, these are all possibly could happen, right? But the the positive side effect of this is, is a massive. There's also a negative to this, too. Can you look at your life and think about like the one thing you're doing that's maybe bringing your life down? And can you change that? Right. If one thing can have a positive cascading effect, obviously the opposite has to be true. One one thing you introduce or that you're doing in your life could have a, a negative cascading effect. Right. So it's kind of cool, like going into 2023, you can kind of start instead of thinking you need to do all of these different things to optimize your life or to be better at business. And I've been doing this one for business specifically. I literally each I have a to do list and on my to do list. It says do one thing for the gym. Do one thing for starting my holistic lifestyle coaching practice, right? And it's also, if you've read that, there's a book around this, like the one thing. But um, sorry, somebody was calling me. I don't know. Anyways, um, 
if yeah, I got sidetracked now, I'm not going to stop this video because I'm too far in and I'm not going to stop the podcast if you're listening. But um, anyways, yeah, I've been doing it for business, right? How can doing one thing a day lead to this cascading effect that gives you positive momentum? This also kind of comes into play um, with feedback loops. How do I get rid of this? Let's make sure this goes away. Sorry, guys. And if you're listening, you're like, come on, Sean. Go away. Okay. Lesson number four, the action motivation feedback loop. Kind of links into the last one a little bit if you're on this doing one thing at a time. Um, this also, you know, if for anybody listening to this podcast or watching this podcast that are, is really into like Chaco and that whole world, um, motivation, discipline, all this kind of stuff. It's a big thing. Even Andrew Huberman, we're going to kind of talk about it a little bit. Jocko's idea here, like discipline eats motivation for breakfast, right? It's not about needing motivation. It's about having discipline. In my opinion, this conversation gets lost in the weed by definitions, right? Or like what somebody's perception of motivation is. I believe that all humans are driven by motivation. Now, how I look at motivation is like at a base level, like there is motivation to stay alive. There's motivation to drink water and eat. What? Being alive. That's motivation to me. There's motivation to have sex and to pursue a partner. Why? A lot of times that's procreate. Not always, right? Heterosexual, um, but nonetheless, right? Like there's motivations behind everything we do. That's my definition. And that's maybe simplistic and a little bit more primal, but that's how I look at motivation. I think Jocko and others see motivation as this like feeling tone, like overcome with motivation, over overcome with this sense that puts them on forward momentum. They, the muse, right? They watch an inspirational video. Like to me, motive, like motive, they're using motivation as inspiration. I don't see that necessarily as the same thing. I see motivation as just like the base level need to move forward for things. And like that can be motivation. Um, but I do think we get into times where there's a rut or something like that. And maybe people are like, ah, I just, if I had some motivation, I think action can lead to motivation. And then that motivation leads to more action. And this maybe is kind of what Jocko and people are talking about. It's like, okay, just show up and maybe you'll get motivation. And if that's the case, like I agree. My, my belief though, is by taking one action step, linking it back to the last lesson, we are rewarded. Andrew Huberman fans know what I'm talking about. Dopamine. Right. But if we take one action step towards the thing we're seeking motivation for, you will get a reward. And that reward gives us the feeling of motivation. There's a dopamine hit. You go, ooh, right. That feeling of motivation then puts us on a forward kind of positive loop. Now I feel motivation. Now I take another action step. I take another action step. I feel more motivation. Right. And so on and so forth. And that's that kind of like hedonic adaptation, that dopamine adaptation. You got to keep taking steps. So you can use this, right? When you find yourself in a rut, whether that's in relationships, whether that's in uh, business, whether that's in, um, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, uh, your, your workout routines, think to yourself, what's one action 
towards the thing I'm putting off or I'm procrastinating or that's making me cause to feel like a, a rut that will get me back on this action motivation dopamine feedback loop, right? And it can, it, all it takes is one action, truly, right? And this could be like a self-care thing. I know for me, like a lot of times when I'm in a rut, maybe, um, or I, I, you know, I'm feeling not motivated, right? Or I'm hard on my head. I need to do like one self-care thing. Go get a massage, go float tank. And that one thing all of a sudden, boop, gets me right back on track. Or if I feel like I'm in a rut with the business, okay, okay, what's one thing I can do? Maybe I need to read a book. Maybe I need to listen to like one podcast with a business mind, somebody I respect. You may find that and all of a sudden the motivation keeps going. And I find this really powerful when you are in a rut because it's just a reminder that all it takes is one thing. And that one thing, you're leveraging kind of physiology, dopamine, psychology around that. So lesson number four is the action motivation feedback loop, um, how I view motivation and action. I think they work together. I don't think it's just action or just discipline. And I don't think it's just motivation or inspiration. I think there's a marrying of the two and they play off of each other. I guess you could say action has maybe has to come first. I don't think it has to come first, but nonetheless, I'm not going to go on a tangent with that. Last one I learned, and this is probably another one of the bigger, bigger ones from this year. Uh, I spent most of this year being single. Longest amount of time I've been single in my adult life. Um, and through that, I discovered John Kim, the angry therapist. So anyways, th this lesson is like yourself over loving yourself. That may be controversial to some people out there, but let me explain. Um, big trend in the past couple of years, at least it seems like, especially in social media, to like love yourself. You have to love yourself before loving someone else, right? I disagree with this overall sentiment of at, at least you have to love yourself before loving somebody else. I disagree with that. I, I think maybe some people will say that liking yourself and loving yourself are the same thing. I see it differently. Um, that's maybe just my perception of it, but nonetheless. So like I was saying, I, I've been single for a big part of this year. And after going back and forth, being on dating apps and getting ghosted and trying to get more in tune, like self-awareness of myself around my relationships, uh, you know, I looked up like how to be single, best books on being single. And like I said, I discovered John Kim, also known as the angry therapist. If you guys don't follow him, even if you're in a relationship, because he has a book now with his uh, significant other uh, around being in a relationship, like the man's uh, wealth of knowledge around relationships. But um, he's the, the author of a book called Single on Purpose. Probably one of the most impactful books I read this year. It proposes in it, John proposes more. It's more important to like yourself than love yourself. And the argument here is that liking yourself is akin or, you know, a synonym, antonym, whatever, uh, is akin to respecting yourself, having confidence in your path, your growth, what you're working on, your morals, your viewpoints, et cetera. And it's this, this point, if you get to where you're, you like yourself, you're not going to compromise yourself or your self-worth. Whereas loving yourself can kind of be, if taken to an extreme, akin to like hiding from these areas that need work because you go, I love myself for who I am. I'm perfect the way I am. Um, anybody who doesn't see that is wrong, right? And I'm not saying that everybody who loves himself does this, but I have seen like this trend move towards that. And I think that's unhealthy 
because it's not realistic. You're not getting with like a 360 uh, foot view, 360 foot, I don't know, 360 view of yourself. You're actively like, we all need work at all times, different areas, feedback from others, et cetera. And that doesn't mean you don't like yourself. Like I understand there's still a lot of growth for me to have, but I really like who I am in this moment and who I've become over the past couple of years. I've done a lot of work. I am continuing to work on myself. I understand I have flaws and I'm not going to hide from those flaws. I'm going to work on those flaws and continue this path. And you're never going to be the self-actualized, perfect human. That's never going to happen. If you think that you're a narcissist, (laughs) it's never going to happen, right? And until the day you die, you're always going to be working on something. But the idea is as you're working on something, you're not letting that burn your light down, right? Bring your light down. You can still like who you are. You can believe in yourself. You can have the self-confidence, but you got to get to the that point, right? And so I, I really resonated with this because I never vibe with the like, love yourself. Um, like yourself, though, I do, because I see that more as like respecting myself, believing in myself, trusting myself to the point where I, I've gotten to the point now. And this kind of goes back to lesson like number two, no one will remember you anyways. Like I believe in my moral, ethical perception of the world and how I bounce viewpoints and ideas through my lens to the point where if somebody disagrees with me or somebody all of a sudden is accosting me, not that this happens, but you know, just whatever that type of thing, I go, cool, man. Like you and I aren't going to vibe. That's okay. I I believe in myself. I like myself. I know I'm a good person and that I'm going to make mistakes, but like it's makes it a lot easier to have a lens upon which you're viewing yourself. And if you're getting negative feedback, you can, you can apply it and be like, does this vibe with like, is this good feedback for me to take in? Is it going to help me grow in the areas I'm trying? Or is this just somebody who's attacking me or it's not really great feedback Etc. Somebody I don't vibe with. That's okay. I like myself. I respect myself. Right. So lesson number five is like yourself over loving yourself. So one more time back from the beginning, there just is this idea that we are the ones who attach value judgment to that, meaning we're creating our own hell or our own heaven in our head. We're in control of that. You can work on that. Lesson two, no one's going to remember you anyway. Don't worry about embarrassing moments. Don't worry about being a people pleaser. Live your most authentic, true life to yourself. Screw them anyways. Lesson number three, the one wolf principle. One small change can have cascading effects for your life in either a positive or negative way. Think about ways you can make one small change to something, and maybe that'll be a positive impact. Lesson number four, the action motivation feedback loop. If you find yourself in a rut, if you find yourself wanting motivation, take one action step feel the motivation, feel the dopamine, play off of that and use this feedback loop to help you. And then finally, lesson number five, like we just went over, like yourself over loving yourself. So that's what I got, the five lessons of 2022. Um, This would be a cool thing for you guys to do. Again, I want to say thank you, Chris Williams, um, the uh, Modern Wisdom Podcast for the idea for this. Um, but you guys could do this too, just like in a journal or something like that down, like list some like lessons you've learned and how you want to apply them. Um, I hope you got some ideas from mine. Maybe you can try to implement some of these. Sorry for that little hiccup in the middle of this where somebody called me. Still getting used to doing this in video format and all that. So I will make sure everything's on do not disturb in these moments. But 
I'm authentic. This is what happens. I'm not some, I'm not Joe Rogan or any like high level production with this. Just trying to help people again, be on the lookout. If you made it this far, be on the lookout in January, beginning of the new year for one-on-one holistic lifestyle coaching, the simple man's guide to the good life, getting you guys on a guide to the good life. If you feel like you're in a rut, if you feel like you don't even know what a thriving life looks like, it's going to be a three month start to finish educational program. You're going to be meeting with me twice a week, education, execution. Um, and I am on the back end every single day building this out. So it's ready to deliver for you. There's a system to it. Um, and we're going to be on that path together working towards your ultimate thriving life. And by the end of those three months, I guarantee that you will have a clear viewpoint of what your thriving life looks like and how that path will continue to get you there. So um, be on the lookout for that in January. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Hope you guys have a great week and great holidays. I might be sporadic with these during the holidays. I'm not going to be super uptight about this, um, but enjoy the holidays. If I don't talk to you guys before then, And um, yeah, see you guys.